Hello, and welcome to the Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud podcast. Instructional coaches and leaders create the environment that supports teachers to continually imagine, grow, and achieve. They model an excitement for learning that teachers in turn model for students. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the important aspects of instructional leadership. Thanks for listening. I'm thrilled you're here. Empowering teachers to choose the what, why, and how of observations. Joining the podcast today is Ty McGee, who is an administrator with the Saudi Aramco Expatriate Schools in Saudi Arabia. Ty was a participant in the recent NISA, that's Near East South Asia Leadership Innovation Network, that I had the opportunity to facilitate. During our work together, Ty shared a program that he's implementing to increase teacher agency around observation and teacher growth. I was anxious to have him share his thinking and findings, and so I invited him, and fortunately, he said yes. So welcome, Ty. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Um, You probably don't know, I heard you speak in 2019 for the first time in Bangkok at a NISA conference. And you talked about individuals, franchises, and teams, and that idea of franchise versus team has kind of stuck with me ever since then. So it's a pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Well, it does make a small world. It does make a small world. I uh, I, I just read an article I was interested in written by, by uh, two ladies, and I wrote off a note asking them to join a future podcast to find out that they were in Bangkok in that presentation that you just described and now they're both educators in texas so you never know (laughs) funny so ty i'm wondering for starters if you'd tell people a little bit about your uh, your background and then also about the uh, saudi uh, aramco expatriate schools sure so saudi aramco expatriate schools really exists to serve the children of the expatriate employees of saudi aramco that's who comes to our schools we have six schools and four different residential communities. And we have a daycare and a community ed program as well. I'm at the uh, Dahran Hills School, which is the elementary school here in Dahran. And it's the biggest school in the district. It's a pretty big school. We're pre-K to grade four. We have about 1,110 students with 93 full-time staff. Diverse population, students come from over 50 countries, and that's there's probably more, but that's um, that's the number of passports that we have in our in our population. About me, I am an associate principal here, and again at the elementary school, and I've always been an elementary guy. That's just kind of it's kind of who I am and what I what I'm really all about. Um, but before moving into school admin. I taught different elementary grade levels, and even before that, I taught. I started my career in social work. So most of my most of my teaching experiences have been overseas. I was in Thailand, and then Kuwait, and now Saudi. And like um, like I was just saying to you off air, we we lived in Chicago before moving overseas, and and now we've been overseas for twelve years and loving life. So hopefully, many more. But really, these these places I've lived, these experiences I've had, have, have definitely shaped my perspective and, and who I am. Uh, 
I'm I'm wondering if you'd talk a little bit about the uh, experience that you had that led you to look at creating the this this new design. And um, after you talk about what led up to it, then we'll look at getting deeper into what you've designed. Sure. So the project we we call it growth and feedback and. Really, that's what it's about. And it's kind of a nickname at GNF for short, right? And it's kind of taken on a, I have to stop and think about the name of it because it's it's really important. It's all about growth and it's all about receiving and giving good feedback and meaningful feedback and what that looks like. So how it started, um, part of our reaccreditation plan, the district invited staff to address a gap, a pain or a passion that they see in their daily work. So Think of it like a passion project or a relevant, you know, problem of practice. And one thing that that myself that I noticed along with a couple other people is that there was some survey data from the district, and it indicated this gap in the area of teacher observations and and feedback by administrators. So we recognized, or we we saw this as an area that needed to be addressed, and also. We recognize that teachers needed greater ownership uh, and involvement in the feedback process. So this led us through a, a design thinking process. We went through all the stages, right? Empathize, define, ideate, prototype, test. And that's what led us to the work. So if I can, I'll just go through each of those stages a little bit, and then we can go through, we can go through a little bit more in detail. But the empathize stage was really important. We we knew right away we didn't want to make assumptions, right? We wanted our, our decisions to be data-driven, so we gathered and analyzed a lot of data. We had a survey. So after that, that survey I initially talked about, that was from the district. Then we followed up with the survey just to our school staff. We asked questions about observations, about walkthroughs, about feedback, and you know what do, what do you prefer or what, what is most impactful, describe some good feedback that you've received and, and what made it good. And what we found, unsurprisingly, probably, Steve, is that there's a big range, right? Some people, for example, some people want weekly observations. Some people would be fine with monthly. And some people would be totally fine if it was once a year, right? And so we we realized quickly, okay, we have a task on our hands because we want to find maybe a, um, not just a happy medium, but but what's going to be best for for us and ultimately our our students, of course. So that survey was a was a huge part. Then we also got a pilot group together, and that pilot group turned out to be very instrumental in doing a lot of the the work that we ended up doing. So, like I said, we're a big school. We have uh, at the time we had about. 11 sections of every grade level. And so we knew we wanted that pilot group to be representative of every grade level, every department in our school. So it was intentionally diverse in that way. And what we did moving into that defined stage, then we we worked, we developed shared understandings on how to communicate expectations, terminology. That was a big one. We realized very quickly that a walkthrough, in my understanding, is different than a walkthrough to what somebody else comes, you know, with with that understanding. And so we realized, okay, we need to 
we need to define some of these terms and just have a shared understanding of what these mean. Then ideate. We developed a, a wheel, and this wheel is, is really important. Think of it like eight pie pieces. And it really it shows what's expected of employees, right? It's kind of like your expectations. And it's adapted from a model that we that we saw from the Center for Educational Leadership at the University of Washington. And the parts of the wheel are student engagement, curriculum and pedagogy, assessment for student learning, classroom environment and culture, community connections, professional responsibilities, student life and school culture. And initially we had an other, and we've since dropped the other. Um, but those were the pieces of that wheel. Then in addition to that wheel, we developed a timeline. So think of a school year from August to June, and we made a timeline to show and to house documentation and feedback from walkthroughs. Then we prototyped this, we, we did it on butcher paper, laid it out on tables and had people try it. And then we created a digital version and we tested it with, with that pilot group at first. So that pilot group, we did this at the end of the 2020 and 2021 school year. And we did it just, we tested it one time. Again, we kind of circled back to that empathy stage. We wanted to make sure we were never losing sight of what um, really matters to people. And so we continued to gather empathy. Um, and then we rolled it out school-wide the following year. And really the the reason we believe in this hasn't changed, right? The, the reason that we believe in this is that teachers deserve to feel seen. They deserve to feel supported and valued for the work, the amazing work, the important work that they do. And our fantastic teachers here are, are no different. And I've, I've found that great teachers want to learn. They want to grow. They want to be challenged. But everyone also wants to know that their supervisor knows who they are. They want, they want their supervisor to know their strengths and their what they're working on and, and so on. It, it, it's interesting. Years ago, I was working in a district where the teachers were just constantly complaining about the teacher evaluation process. And so somebody suggested, let's just do away with teacher evaluation. And <laughs> that brought a bigger uproar from the teachers. So even when they didn't like it, it was better than not having it at all, because somehow not having it at all suggested what I was doing wasn't even important enough to evaluate. So a poor evaluation right. is better than, than uh, a poor evaluation process is better than, uh, than not being evaluated. Uh, describe how, how teacher choice comes in, in, into play here. Yeah. So that, that is, that's the light bulb moment for us. And that was the epiphany we had when we discovered that wait, teachers could be empowered to make choice about their own observations. That was, that was the moment this project turned from a gap to a gap and a passion for me. Even as you're just talking there, you know, what I was thinking was, forgive me, I don't, I'm not going to give credit to the right person probably because I don't know where it came from. But one mantra we've started to follow here is clear is kind. And I think that the lack of anything is doesn't bring any clarity, right? It only invites confusion. And so if clarity is kindness, then we owe it to our staff to 
to lay out something that's clear and workable. So developing teacher agency, getting back to choice, developing teacher agency and, and empowering teachers to own their own growth and learning is really one of the primary objectives of this whole this whole project. So to lay it out a little bit, the teachers are given um, a digital canvas and that houses that growth and feedback wheel and it houses that timeline. And only the one teacher and the administrative team, the principals have access to that, that digital canvas. So it's confidential between the teacher and the, the administrators. And then the teachers get to choose, they get to choose the what, the when, and the how of their observations. So for each observation, the what, the teacher would choose which part of the wheel they want to be given feedback on. They, they get to choose the when, the when. They get to choose a two-week window of time where they'd like the observation to occur. And that, that two-week window is actually pretty critical because, first of all, it allows for some flexibility with scheduling, right, from the administrator schedule. But really, the bigger reason, I'd say, is that it allows for an authentic walkthrough. What we knew we didn't want right away was some some show, some perfect lesson, right? There are so few perfect lessons as a teacher that it doesn't help. It doesn't. It's it, it's great to get a pat on the back when everything goes right, but we wanted an authentic a, a walkthrough. And so, by giving a two week window, we say, you know what? You don't know when I'm going to come in these two weeks, but it's going to be sometime in these two weeks. And and that way, teachers just keep doing their awesome teaching that they do. And the administrator will come in sometime in that window, but the teacher gets to choose when that window of time is. And then the how. So the teachers get to choose, do they want to walk through? Again, I've used that term a few times, and we came to define a walkthrough as 10 to 15 minutes. We could do an informal observation, which we defined as just basically same as a walkthrough. It doesn't require a pre or a post meeting, but it's a little bit longer. Or do they want a full-on formal observation with with a pre and a post meeting. And so they got to choose that. So for example, the what a teacher might choose, I want to be observed on classroom environment and culture. I'd love some feedback on that. I want you to come September 1st to September 10th, you know, the first two weeks of the school year. And I want it to be a walkthrough in my in my class. So the teachers get that that choice, that control. And then they do that. They do two walkthroughs and a reflection meeting before winter break, and then two walkthroughs and a reflection meeting after winter break. And uh, what's the response you're getting from the staff since you've implemented? Initially, before growth and feedback, before this project started, the reason that we the the data that showed us this was a gap, we had thirty nine percent of our staff that agreed or strongly agreed that principals made regular walkthroughs and provided meaningful feedback. So that 39% now is up over 80%. So obviously that's, the numbers are great and that's showing that this is, it's working and it's doing what it's supposed to do in, in that regard, right? But even more than than those numbers, it's just clear that that teachers have embraced this, even students have embraced this. Um, we've heard, you know, comments like 
teachers saying that they appreciate the timely feedback. They appreciate being asked questions in the feedback. They appreciate that admin just seem to be more present in the in the classrooms and in the halls and the tools easy to use. And maybe the best one I've heard is that it creates a just it's created a culture of open doors, right? Literally and, and figuratively in the sense of just everybody's learning and we're all open and we're all going to be learning from each other and working together. So the best part for me is those conversations, right? And that's what it's all about is the feedback is not one-sided. It often leads to a dialogue, a conversation between a teacher and administrator where, where both can learn from each other. So you'd say there is more there is more dialogue because of the role that the teachers played in, in structuring it. So whether it, whether yeah so whether it's whether it's uh, feedback from the administrator's observation or it's a formal post conference, there's more of a teacher engaging in a dialogue rather than the administrator issuing a report. Yeah, and because teachers teachers were more invested from the jump, right? And it's it also can be non threatening. The example I gave is is kind of a common one we've seen in that in the beginning of the year. What is an elementary teacher working on? They're working on creating a belonging in their classroom. They're working on creating, you know, a community in their classroom. So that's what they want feedback on. It's not it's not probably appropriate to go and give feedback on on pedagogy on the second day of school. It, it's right? because I was going to say a lot of people would avoid observation and feedback during the first six weeks. Right. And and so that time that you're describing as critical for a purpose frequently gets missed. Right. You know, I, I can't tell you how often I've, I've worked with instructional coaches who hit several of these blocks of time during the year where, where in effect they're saying nobody wants an observation. No, nobody wants an observation during that first month of uh, school. And I'm coming back and saying, man, the first day is a great time to have an observation. If you know what it is, the te- you know, what does the teacher want to make happen on the first day? And right. can you give the feedback that the choices she made are are moving in that direction? Um, so I, I I can see the dialogue growing out of the of the teacher's engagement. Definitely. How are administrators responding? It, it it's striking me as a little extra pressure on administrators. You know what? It is. It is. <laughs> it, it, but I I can't I can't even sugarcoat that. But it's something we've tried to be mindful of from the beginning. Because we also know that we have to create a sustainable system, something that can actually continue on. Yeah. Otherwise, it, this will just be another initiative that kind of comes and goes and 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 falls apart. So I I don't know if there's a perfect system, but again, just keeping that goal of sustainability and and just being realistic has been has been really helpful for us. You know, if we expect too many observations then they're either not going to get done or the feedback will be delayed because you're too busy with other things. And so too many equals not realistic, but then not enough is is just less data and less of a connection. So initially the first year, we asked teachers to do nine over the course of the year. And both teachers and administrators agreed nine was too, too much. Um, so we backed off, we went down to six this year. And that's been much better. So 
like to go through the process in, in terms of the timeline of the school year in August, we ask teachers to plan out their growth and feedback for that first half of the of the school year. So before winter break, again, they schedule two walkthroughs and a reflection meeting to occur sometime between August and December. They add it to their timeline. They send their administrator a calendar request on Google and for each of those walkthroughs and reflection meeting. So currently I supervise 22 people. If I get three calendar requests for each person, 22 times three, that's 66 total. So it's gonna take me some time, right? I'm going to get flooded with calendar requests, but maybe a couple hours of work, I go through those, I add those to my calendar and then they're there. You know, they're other than pop-ins and just, of course, my day-to-day, -day, but other than kind of unannounced visits, all my my walkthroughs and one-on-one -on -one reflection meetings are, are planned until January. Now, then after a walkthrough, I try to add my written feedback on that digital canvas along with any pictures I've taken, which is another really cool thing that the tool we're using allows us to do is to add photos. We try to do that within 24 hours. And I'll be the first to admit I'm not perfect with that. I've missed that 24-hour mark sometimes. But again, timeliness is really important because the feedback needs to be relevant, needs to be meaningful. We can't we can't wait too long. But I think perhaps the bigger thing is the trust, right? We in order to build trust and maintain trust with teachers, we need to be held accountable and we need to to show that we're committing to this just as much as as they are. You know, the other thing to think about is there's different levels of comfort with observations. And I, I kind of alluded to that earlier when we I talked about surveys and, and the pilot group, but we want to be mindful and considerate of people having different experiences, right, that they come to the table with, people having different uh, levels of anxiousness around being observed, around feedback being given. Um, and our focus is to grow and empower teachers, not to add stress. So yes, it's it's substantial work for administrators, but it's it's systematic, it's organized, and a hundred percent it is worth it. I frequently talk about the uh, the cost uh, payoff balance scale or the effort payoff. and you need to be in a situation where the where the payoff outweighs the uh, the cost or the effort. So what, what I'm hearing is you've got an increased effort on the administrator's part to carry this out, but there's a payoff that you, uh, that, that you see in return where I'm, I'm, I'm afraid way too often administrators end up having to make a, make a, a substantial investment in a, in a teacher appraisal process where they're not seeing the, uh, the payoff from that investment that they're having to make just for the, quote, paperwork part of it. Absolutely. And it, the accountability piece is, is important, right? We need to commit to this. We need to show that this matters to us in order for teachers to to commit to it and know that it, it should matter to them as well. I'm wondering from uh, what you've learned uh, so far with uh, with implementation, are there uh, are there questions, uh, areas that you, you see uh, exploring next from the feedback that you've been receiving? We're constantly thinking about that question. <laughs> it's a great, great question. Um, 
we haven't just implemented this and then kind of moved on, right? We were constantly looking for feedback and input from staff, how to keep this meaningful. One specific area is peer-to-peer feedback. It really intrigues me and it really excites me, the potential of adding a teacher's feedback to another teacher on that that same digital canvas. And I was, you know, I was listening to one of your other podcasts. You talked about peer coaching and peer observation. And I just kept thinking, you know, you were you were kind of talking about the difference between the two and the purpose and, and who is it for. But oh man, that would be so wonderful to get to have that be a part of all of this. What's tough for us is the tool that we use, we couldn't maintain the confidentiality that we have and still allow teachers to give feedback on that tool. So, you know, if they were going to use a sticky note or an email, of course, like that's a different thing. But in order to kind of merge them, we'd have to, we're still looking at that. I don't know if there's a process like this that that could work, but um, in my own organization, um, we set up peer coaching among our trainers. And uh, mm-hmm. so two people pair up, they do a peer coaching uh, cycle with each other, and then they individually report back but their report back, it doesn't say anything about the observation that they did. So the report back is, what did I learn from being observed by my peer? Or what did I sure. learn by being able to go out and 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 be an observer? So just as I'm listening to you, if there's a way that the teacher can post on their own site with, with you, mm-hmm. the administrator then activities like that, that a teacher did in between the, the observations uh, that, that they've done with the administration. So I might go out and observe in other teachers' classrooms to gather some ideas based on something that came up, and I can post that. So now my administrator has that when he comes to the next uh, cycle with me. Or I've invited a couple people into my classroom, and here's, the, here's what I found out from them. And, and I, mm-hmm. I post that back, but I, I, I think you're on a, you're on a great wavelength there of creating a way for the teacher to extend, extend the feedback and more important, extend the reflection process beyond the times that the administrator can be available. Absolutely. And, you know, we've thought about even the ultimate goal of this, of course, is to impact student learning. But in terms of, we've also thought about using this beyond just our teaching staff. For example, what would it look like? What would be the benefit of having our front office staff or our school nurses also have an opportunity to take charge of their their growth, their learning, and and invite and welcome feedback? So that's that's another thing we're looking at. Even just the feedback, giving feedback is it's not easy. It's not simple. So getting better at that is something from our side as an administrator. The quality, the consistency, the alignment of feedback given. You know, when we when we initially rolled it out, we started with with bright spots, compliments, and gradually moving towards what we currently do, which is we kind of structure our feedback in terms of notices and wonders. And again, that's been a journey. But what does really good feedback look like? And what I've personally found anecdotally is that people want different things. Yeah. Right. Just like, and I think we all tend to give feedback the way that we want to receive feedback. 
Uh, but that's that's something we're certainly still kind of looking into. And it, we're in our third year with growth and feedback, our second year of full implementation. We're we're clearly still learning. And we just want this feedback to can you continue to lead to conversation, to building our culture into a culture of where everybody's learning. And one one question that we I keep coming back to, that we keep coming back to is how do we know we're being effective? You know, how how might we measure the impact this is having? And that's something that, you know, we can look at that data that I referenced. We can talk about how more teachers are saying and, and agreeing with, yes, administrators are, are observing. Yes, administrators are giving meaningful feedback. But how do we know it's impacting student learning? And and so I think that's a question that we continue to ask ourselves just to ground us and, and, and guide us, guide us forward. And maybe we even invite students to give feedback along the way. You know, what would that look like? But ultimately, Steve, I mean, we talked about this in, in Dubai, right? I keep coming back to John Hattie's work. We know that collective teacher efficacy is the single biggest factor in student achievement. And so I have this hypothesis that I think we, we want to pursue that growth and feedback will lead to teacher agency and teacher agency will lead to collective teacher efficacy. So if, if that's not that outlandish of a hypothesis, then I think we're, we're on the right track. And I, I would have to say that that part of what hits me is you're putting an awesome model in front of teachers as to what it is you're hoping they're doing back in their classrooms with students. So that that whole role of of student agency and teacher feedback being provided in ways that students can make the most use of it, that's a, a, a critical model to be in an effective school. Absolutely. We we our big focus in our district this year has been on empowerment. And this is this you're exactly right. What the same work that teachers did with their students is this parallels that, right? It's the same thing. We're empowering teachers. We're trying to increase agency. Well, Ty, I really appreciate you uh, sharing this with us. I, I'm wondering if there's a uh, way that you'd be comfortable for listeners to uh, contact you with uh, questions that uh, that they have or a uh, desire to find out more about what you've done. Absolutely. I, I'm probably, you know, the easiest way is, is just via email. My email is tmcgee, that's T-M-C-G-E-E, at S-A-E-S learning.com. All right. I'll be sure to post that in the lead into the uh, podcast so uh, people missed it. If they're out exercising while they're listening to the podcast, <laughs> they can go they can go home and, and find it. And uh, thanks again, Ty. I enjoyed my time working with you and uh, look forward to the next opportunity we have. Definitely. Likewise, Steve. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud on iTunes and Podbean. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. I also want to hear what you're pondering. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Barkley or send me your questions and find my videos and blogs at barkleypd.com.